Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, uh, we have a good car cast for you today. Well, they're all good. We're going to talk about uh, uh, Porsche Taycan. We're going to talk about uh, a little bit of updates on the uh, on the garage that I'm building out. And Goldberg got his TRX, his Ram TRX delivered, and uh, you know he's excited about getting into it, but maybe maybe a little nervous about getting it scratched. We'll find out. Before we get started, a word from our friends at Geico. You guys are own your home or you rent your home, and we know we can be a lot of work, but you know it's easy. It's bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And we know that's a good thing because you already have so much to do around your home already. Just visit Geico.com and get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, here with Bill Goldberg. Hello. Oh, oh, oh. We got some uh, exciting stuff. I know Bill's got exciting stuff today. Do uh, If you guys follow his social media, you'll see he's got this TRX uh, arrived before Royal Rumble. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Thank God. But, but, but still... Now it leaves leaves the incentive out. It, Although, uh, you know, yeah, uh, but uh, not really. Being in my now, underwear in front of millions of people, there's incentive there. <laughs> but then you get to come home and you know what you got there. Um, uh, we'll do a little update on the garage. Just give me a second on that. But before we get started, uh, a word from our friends at Dodge. We all know that Dodge means horsepower and muscle. And now you know that uh, J.D. Power is ranked Dodge number one for initial quality. And you know J.D. Power, also named Dodge, the automotive company with the best driver appeal for mass markets. So there's never been a better time now to join the Brotherhood of Muscle. See your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com. Uh, quick update from me. Um, by the way, thanks to everybody that uh, sent me notes and comments on social media, all the fun names to what the name the garage, <laughs> what the name the, the new shop. Uh, I, I, a lot of people loved Matt Cave. It's kind of Matt Cave, but they said Matt Cave. And I was even getting texts from uh, some of our friends in the industry uh, <laughs> that that we work with. Like, like I guess what happens is, is, you know, somebody's driving into work and it's seven in the morning and then they listen to the podcast. And uh, and then I get a text and I'm like, definitely Matt Cave. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh, I realize you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> there was no real reference to what you were talking about when you did that but uh uh so i, I what i've been doing is, is i just matt cave was funny um so i like that and uh i hope you I, trademarked it i've been uh i've been just calling it the the cave to to people that don't really know <laughs> know the joke but um i'm down with a joke that that lasts as long as that's going to last so um i appreciate that i uh i met with um I met with a couple different uh, uh, people to kind of figure out how to get this thing built out. Um, you know, your friends over at Metron, uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with them a little bit more about maybe doing some sort of mezzanine. The the, the different ideas and pricing and everything is – there's a huge variation in that. So oh, yeah. I kind of want to – you know, and I've got quotes from various companies going, yeah, we can do what you want. It's this much, you know, and it's 
I don't know, 20000 and somebody else goes, hey, I could do it for 129000 And I'm like, how could there be so wildly different? So uh, I want to be able to sit down with, with the experts like your, like your guys at, at, at Metron um, and kind of figure out, like, what are the options? I just need to learn a little bit about it. Over at Adams Garage, you know, we talked a long time about building the huge mezzanine that's in, in Adams' place. But that's Adam in his construction background. That's him building – in a building that he owns. I'm renting a building. I'm trying to do a freestanding unit that, you know, maybe the next tenant that goes in there and however, whatever, a couple of years from now may want to buy it, or I can take it with me and put it someplace else, you know, disassemble it, take it with me. So that's kind of what I was looking at. And uh, uh, I guess I got to learn a little bit more about it, but um, we've got this great group in there right now working on the floors. I know, the debate was if you're renting the place, is it a silly investment? And, you know, because you're going to do the floors, it's going to last a long time, probably 10 years minimum if it's done right. And and it costs a little bit of money. And then if you are you move out of that place, somebody else gets nice floors because no one's going to pay you for it and wasn't part of the tenant improvement. And um, my thought on it is um, I don't really care. I, I don't want the floors to look like shit. And I don't want them all banged up and cracked and – and I want to be able to have it look good while I'm in there. And I want to be able to uh, photograph stuff in there as well. And and the floors look like shit right now. And I don't want it to look like shit. So, uh, you know, uh, what did you, what did you decide? So I have this group that's coming in. There's, they're doing a, an epoxy floor. It's kind of a, kind of a gray. It does have the, the fleck. I, I learned a lot about it. And I said, what's the process of doing it? Um, and here's a few things for you guys listening about thinking about doing your floors, um, even in a garage, is the guys will come in and they will sand down, get a nice clean layer uh, of, of cement. It's like we talked about our friends over at uh, Zycor and Zybar, right? When they do the uh, the heat coating, mm-hmm. like the ceramic heat coating on the stuff. They always say, hey, you got to sandblast it. You can yeah, sand it down. Surface, but yeah. if you sandblast it and get a nice, good, raw surface, same thing applies here. Without the prep, the epoxy won't really stick. If there's any real moisture, especially any grease, wax, anything – when they lay that epoxy down, it's not really going to stick. Now, the other thing I learned is um, we're out here in uh, Venice area. And if you guys are familiar with the area, I'm kind of like between Venice and Playa. The Bologna wetlands are right there. And we kind of butt up against it. So these guys brought in like a meter to test the moisture coming moisture. out of the cement. And the reason why is – you can prep the cement, sand it down, do your your coating of epoxy, and then do your flack and your top coat or whatever. But if that moisture, if there's a lot of water vapor coming up from underneath it, it'll cause it to peel and bubble over time because there's so much uh, of that coming through. So you can still get it done, but you need another layer. You need a primer layer, a vapor layer. You need something to, to hold that in. Now, there are all also different qualities of epoxy that have some of that essentially built into it. Now, you could just talk to who you're doing. And then there's the more expensive, the, the polyurethane stuff is very expensive. So if you want it, the epoxy to stick, uh, it really is about the prep, as with anything, anytime you're painting yeah. anything, engine, Pain, anyway. car, anything like that. So 
Uh, the guys are in there. They're sanding it. The, the, the part I felt bad about is the guy showed up and he goes, uh, the guy I talked to is like, my guy is going to show up at eight in the morning. He's going to start sanding the floors. I'll show up at four and I'll check on his status. I was like, okay, it's about 2000 square feet, you know, 1900 square feet of concrete cement. This poor guy shows up in a pickup truck with, and he's got like a hand grinder, like the size oh, of geez. like a 10 inch wheel like nine inch wheel and his knee pads and the vacuum grinding machine. And I was like, I thought he was going to come in with the big, like push it like a lawnmower type of thing. And this guy, this guy, the first day on his hands and knees, grinded down 2000 square feet Jesus. and they've got to do it again. They've got to do two layers of grinding. And I was like, I, I was like, I, I thought I even had like a bigger machine. I don't know what the cutoff is. I, I get it. If it was a one or two car garage, you could knock this thing out. And, but this took them nine hours because yeah. he was there in the morning. A lot of labor. And yeah, this guy just did it by himself the whole time. It took him nine hours to do it. They're over there doing it again. Uh, they're gonna lay down the epoxy. Now, the thing that I, uh, I I I'm getting different feedback on. There are some companies that I researched and said, "Hey, we can do this stuff in a day. We've got a crew that comes in. You know, we get three grinding machines. They knock it out. We lay down the epoxy. You, you can get it all done and in you know 24 hours you could walk on it and 48 hours you can bring a car on it. No, I'm not necessarily buying into that. <laughs> No, I don't want. I don't. I don't want it all done in one day. And, I appreciate the uh, expediency, but yeah. no, thank you. That's a process that. I mean, although things have changed, and the last time we did our garage, the small garage mm-hmm. with Garage Mahal, I remember them doing that same process. They got it done in one day, and we didn't have an issue with it. But technology's changed such that, you know, I guess things drive quicker and. Yeah, um, and it was only a two car garage anyway, so it was very small. But um, I don't know. I you know, know, my my thought on it is is like anything that you're coding, um, is let these guys take their time in the prep. Give them two days to do the prep. Uh, so it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they're going to do Thursday, Friday of like uh, the the coating and the fleck and the top coat. Um, and then I know they're like, yeah, you could walk on it in 12 hours. You can roll on it in 24 hours. I'm like, I'm not in a rush to do it. <laughs> Why take a chance you know, and ruin the work? You know, like we talked about, there's 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 moisture in there that I think underneath that should dry. And it's been kind of cold out and it might rain a little bit this weekend. And I just look, if this was in Arizona and it was August, that would dry before you even laid it down on the ground, right? It's yeah, so, that's different. It's literally the air is so dry and it's so warm that this stuff would just would be super easy. But it's such a moist environment right now. People love that word moist. It's such a, a, a I don't know. Like right now, we've got the fog rolling in every morning, and it's really cold in that shop. And yeah, you've got it too. You had snow the other All day. All it is is fog. <laughs> you know. And uh, uh, so I'm kind of thinking, um, you know, maybe over the weekend I'll walk on it, but uh, I, I don't need to roll in a car or any gear or anything like that for, for a Take few your days. Time, man. Yeah, for a few Take days for sure. So got them doing that. And then speaking of Garage Mahal, um, that show years ago, you worked with a group called Garage Envy and they built out cabinets and stuff. And, oh, yeah. Um, uh, they did a good job. I like those guys a lot. 
And it turns out that over the years, they got purchased by uh, like Closet World, I think is the name of the company out here. Good for them, right? They built their company. They did a TV show. They got their exit. And their exit was they got, you know, they sold the company. Purchased, yeah. Good job. Uh, which is good. Um, so I went back to them originally. I went to the, the new company, Closet World, and I said, you know, I, I know I can buy some prefab stuff, some metal stuff or whatever, but I kind of like what you guys do. As a matter of fact, the the studio here, the the whole back half of the studio is still all of that stuff. You know, it's the black nice. cabinets with the orange and and whatnot. So I met with these guys that we were able to, you know, have their their architect come in and sketch up some things. I just said, I don't need tall cabinets up up high. I just need some 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 cabinet space, doors on it, everything closes durable, but I want some counter space. I want workspace. And I want two uh, like workbenches. Um, they can be high, right? But I want to be able to not bang my knees. I want to be able to sit at the workbench like in a in a high back, like a stool or a high back chair. Mm-hmm. So I can stand and it's still up high enough, but I can sit in a high chair and work on tedious things, you know, as you're detailing something. Or if Did you're, you just say you're going to sit in a high chair? Yeah, I'm going to sit in a high chair. Well, I basically yeah. do any, all the time anyway. I'm in the studio now. My feet are a foot off the ground sitting in there this, you go. this high chair. But you know what it, what it is? It's like when you're – I don't know. If you're just messing around with electronics, you're sparking, you're, you're gapping spark plugs or stuff like that, you kind of want to sit at a counter to do that. And if it was all just build out drawers underneath, you just bang your knees, you have to stand the whole time. I just kind of wanted something specific. So um, they're able to do that. They wrote, they drew me up a really nice sketch. Um, I should actually photograph it and put it up on uh, on social media. I remember correctly, those guys had the collapsible bench space. Yeah, they, you know? they, they do. Um, I, I'm, I'm doing it a little bit more conventional, uh, yeah. but... Um, you know they're but doing a good a, job. That was a killer product that they had. I, I remember we had two of those in the garage at the in Cali. Yeah, I don't know if they if that's still in their in their catalog. What they brought me, I don't remember seeing it. But you know they obviously have different levels and different tops and things like that that you can do. So uh, I, I kind of like um, what uh, what they were presenting. We were able to make a pretty good pretty good deal on it. And, you know, there is a little bit of a delay. They have their own factory. They cut all the wood. They measure everything. And um, apparently the factory got COVID, unfortunately. Uh, so it might not happen until April, which means, hey, fine. The drawers, the, all the floors will be perfectly dry by then. Um, <laughs> That's true. And uh, hopefully between now and then I can figure out this mezzanine thing because if I need to make an adjustment to the cabinets to sort of fit – or fit around what I'm trying to do with the mezzanine, we have time to do that. So that's just a little update on that. Um, in the meantime, that front office is just stacked full of shit because I can't put anything in the warehouse while oh, they're I doing the imagine. floors. And uh, so it's 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 loaded up with stuff. But I'm excited about uh, getting in there and just hitting the ground running and, and getting stuff done. But uh, anyway, that being said, let's, let's talk TRX. TRX. Uh, yeah, you got yeah. it. I mean, it showed up. Actually, that seemed quicker than I thought because they were giving you updates going, it's getting built and it's going to be delivered soon. And it just all of a sudden it was there. I'll start it off by saying that <clears throat> unfortunately, the dealers are independent of the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. So even Santa Claus is not immune to some dick 
trying to charge you 20 over. <laughs> really? Right? Yeah. Really? Really? It didn't work out like that in the end. But all I can tell you is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, you know, don't think that we have the you know, golden spoon in our mouth all the time and we get shit for free. So um, there you have it. Anyway, yeah. on to the kick-ass truck. Um, I, I don't know where to begin. Well, except- let's let's start with, with the color because I know you like black. You wanted an all-black truck, but this first yeah. one, this launch edition or whatever, I don't know what it's actually called. Uh, Anvil. Anvil is the color. It's the first. It's the first edition. Is the name of okay. The, whatever. But so it's a, it's um, a dark gray and it, it's with black trim. And I, you know, you posted a photo and I thought it looked fantastic. So what are your what are your thoughts on on that? I'm clear wrapping it and I'm doing a, a matte finish. Okay, so we're gonna you're hooking up with your friends at Expel and. They're going to do a matte finish or a satin finish, or is there a difference be- between the two? I'm not exactly there, sure. There is a difference. It's a subtle difference, and it's something I've got to see when I walk in there, uh, actually, tomorrow. But, um, yeah, I, 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 it's, it's quite similar to, I guess it would be Destroyer Gray in the Challenger lineup. Okay. And I really like the color. I mean, it's bitching. Um, I wouldn't want that truck in black because at the end of the day, it is still a truck. Um, even though I'm going to wrap it and, and protect it as much as possible with ceramic coating also. Um, but driving impressions, man, I, I gotta tell you, I, I, I gotta skip over the, the aesthetics. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right on the, the simplest. It's amazing what a gear shift knob actually does for a vehicle. Right. Yeah. Because the 1500 that I had that I got rid of to get this truck had the selectorized transmission knob. Yeah. Right? Had the so dial felt emasculated. Yeah. It, it yeah. wasn't it just wasn't a truck. So I get in this thing and if it was 10 inches lower, I truly believe that if you closed your eyes, you couldn't tell much of a difference than being in the Challenger. Right. OK. The steering wheel's the same. The cockpit setup is very similar, um, but it has the big obviously screen. the engine tone is the same. It's a it's yeah. the Hellcat motor, so you get the same similar response. Um, but the ride quality, it's the, you're on a pillow, man. It's like you're on a, a trophy truck. It's the thing is absolutely <laughs> bitching, and I have to say that it has superseded the Challenger in my favorite Dodge vehicles. It's right up there with the Charger right now. And it's going to be hell getting me out of this as a daily driver. It, it is, it is all that it was cracked up to me. Now, when, when you, when you got it, here, here's the, the question. Do you get it and just, <laughs> and, and just be gentle knowing you're going to wrap it or did you throw it around stuff. in the dirt? Uh, let, let me, let me explain <laughs> it to you. All I can say is the following morning after I got it, I got a text from one of the Dodge guys saying, just make sure you follow the break-in procedure. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> and my, my response night. was, what break-in procedure? And then he referred me to the to the manual, and I read it. And, I mean, if I, you can't go 55 miles an hour anywhere anymore. I mean, the, out here in Texas, the speed limit's 75. You're going to get run over by an 18-wheel. So if I want to go on the highway, I have to break the break-in procedure. You know, constant throttle, you know, nothing over 5,000 or whatever it is. Then I called Mario. Yeah. 
right? Mario said he took the took his Hellcat from, straight from the dealership across the street to I ninety five, and we all know what happened after that. Yeah, right. So um, he's of the belief that it seats the engine and better the harder you run it at the beginning. <laughs> but and 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 I, and I must say that these things leak a little bit of oil, um, traditionally. And he says that seals them up better. And they seemingly don't leak as much if you go out and kind of pound on it in the beginning. And he's not talking redline in the sub bitch by any stretch of the imagination, but, but doing a little break in on it, you know, before the 500 miles. But let's just say I'm at 200 miles and, and I already left, a, I think it was an 85 Corvette at the line. Yeah. Wondering what the hell was going on. Right on. I think there's a lot of. There's a lot of talk about uh, break-in procedures, and um, you know who we should reach out to again is is our good friend Lake Speed Jr., who's at Driven Racing oh, yeah. Oil for a long time, and I believe he's at uh, Total Seal uh, Piston Rings now, and because of everything he's doing is about uh, uh, about the cylinder, you know, about the cylinder walls, about the rings and ring setting the rings, and mm-hmm. and uh, all of that initial. Break I'd love stuff, to so. hear his two cents. You know, so we should have to reach out to uh, to Lake Speed and say, you know, let's like I I know everybody sort of has their own break in procedure, like for, from the manual. But taking that out of the equation, just what does the science say? What does the science say on how do you seat oh, yeah. the, the, the the rings? You know, and uh, and things like that. So. You know, we did have a conversation before, and he did tell me breaking oil with its added zinc and other properties is is always a good thing. That it's not it's not a bad idea to take a new vehicle with very few miles, you know, seven miles, eighty miles, whatever, you know, something that like like what you're getting, mm-hmm. and. Go ahead and change the oil change now. The put, oil. put the break-in oil in it. Put a good break-in oil or driven break-in oil, uh, and and give it you know three, four, five hundred miles on the break-in oil, and then you can change it to whatever's recommended. You know, and it's actually not a bad idea. Uh, I'm I'm gonna have to think about that as well. Obviously, we've got engines that we're building. Mario's building new engines. Um, I'm I'm building the uh, the engine for the Lightning. I already. Got the break-in oil for that, but that's a fresh engine from the engine stand. I know what rings are in it. I know what everything's in it. it it's never even been turned over. Uh, it's got a bunch of engine lube in it as I'm building it. It's got all the lube on the cam and the bearings and all that stuff. So that that first uh, fire up with the with the break-in oil, you know how you could do it by hours or miles or however you want to do it. Um, even just running it on on the dyno. Um, either the engine dyno or just in the truck when you first fire it up uh, and run it on the dyno, there's a break-in procedure for it. And then after a little bit, as that break-in oil is cleaning up all of the all that engine lube, you you change it again, you know. And it could be, like I said, after a few hours, or it could be after you know a certain amount of miles, you know, 200 miles, 500 miles. You know, again, we should ask a guy like like Lake Speed to to know, but. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think um, I'm sure you're going to be talking to Mario again very soon, if not in minutes from now. <laughs> this, 
Daily. Yes. You know, but uh, I don't know. Also, maybe get his thought is um, does he put brake in oil in any of the brand new cars that he gets? I think he gets the cars, puts brake in oil, and throws them on the dyno and brakes. Yeah, that's what it seems like. It seems like, uh, you know, it, but it's it's not it's not uncommon. We've seen it before. Lots of project cars, the magazines, and different websites over the years, where they go and they get a brand new car, and the first thing they do is they go from the dealer to the dyno or the dealer to whatever. Um, but I'll well, tell you, you know, he's got ten. I don't know his tenure, but he has to have at least ten years of back study backlog of info of what he's done and the performance comparatively, you know, to the normal break-in. So. Uh, right. I mean, we certainly read about uh, people getting new Mustangs, brand new C8 Corvette. There's a bunch of YouTubers and magazines out there going, hey, we got a C8 Corvette. Let's bring it right on the dyno. Let's just go from the <laughs> dealer to the dyno. Um, and yeah, to, to your benefit and to Mario's benefit is – this is not a new engine. <laughs> this has been around in, in 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 many vehicles over the years. Um, uh, it's amazing how they. It's amazing the feeling that they can evoke by just transferring a steering wheel, a gear shift, and an engine into just about anything, and then giving you euphoria. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, just okay, awesome. Now, it really is awesome. This has the big screen that's in the Ram trucks. It's not the smaller screen from the cars, right? Or I call it like a, I call it like a, you know, one of freaking yeah. It's gigantic. It's yeah, huge. it's big. That was one of the things that um, was uh, came off as as one of the real uh, you, you know benefits of the Ram truck. I, I believe when we talked to Alistair Weaver from from Edmonds and. And we were talking about, hey, what's going on with the truck market? You know, F-150s really dominated for a long time. And he was saying, you know, Ram's got it figured out. He said the Ram interior really upped the game. The screen oh, is man. huge. You can do the split screen. You can have all of your, you know, radio and, and information stuff and then have a complete, like, car player Android underneath it. And you don't have to switch between screens going back and forth like you like almost almost every car does. What uh, really tripped me out was was the rear view mirror was in uh, uh, rear view video mode. Yeah, when I bought the truck and I thought I was in the twilight zone there for a little while, and I I, I switched it back and I'm oh okay I, I get it now. But yeah, that was that was very strange. But they've done a hell of a job. Yeah, a hell of a job, man. I'm I, you know everybody knows I'm a Dodge guy, but I mean this truck is it's it's left me kind of floored. I mean I'm really taking my hat off to what job that they have done to be able to make that cockpit so much like a, a sports car, but give it the ride and the attention to detail visually and performance wise. I mean, obviously I will soon uh, take this thing around the property and, and do due diligence with it. I will not jump it over a Creek, mind <laughs> you, but um I, I'm really impressed. I mean, the, the thing's wonderful. It's, it just puts a huge smile on your face driving. And, and I haven't even really jumped on it a lot yet. And I'm not talking about the speed factor. Take that out of it. Okay. I'm talking about every other feeling that you, that this vehicle evokes when you drive it. And it's so comfortable and they've done a hell, they, they've done a hell of a job. They really have. Has Wanda driven it? No, not yet. 
Not yet. I don't think she wants to. She's not a Dodge. She still <laughs> wants to race me with her F two fifty with the trailer behind it up against <laughs> yeah. up against the uh, the uh, T Rex. So yeah, it's well. Yeah. I, I've I've heard fantastic things about it, and uh, you know everybody's coming in with with similar thoughts. Going, it's completely silly and over the top, and absolutely wonderful in 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 every way possible. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, get it wrapped, get that paint protected, and I know you're going to have Mario do some stuff on it. Uh, like your head is is going to hop it's it up a little bit. It's going straight down there after after Expel. It's going straight down there, and the only th- the only complaint that I it's not really a complaint, but it should have came with thirty sevens. Thirty fives are way too small. Okay, well, I don't think I can get in it, but well, the, I can get you a stool. <laughs> Uh, but I am curious when you get a chance to kind of throw it around on the property and like actually get get some terrain underneath it and see oh, yeah. what see what you think of it because you know you have trucks on the property the, the you know the tow rigs and the off road rigs and and uh, and we've both you know spent a lot of time in the Raptor and we've loved the Raptor the Raptor's fantastic. Yep. But, you know, the Raptor's been out for a few years and it gave uh, Ram the ability to say, well, what can we do to improve some of the things with the suspension? And uh, and all the reports are coming in going, it it is better. It is it is smoother on the road, more comfortable and 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 even more wonderful off road, high speed, low speed, everything. So I am kind of curious to see when when. You know, break the engine in a little bit, get the wrap done. You know, thirty uh, sevens on yeah, it. Yeah, get take it airborne. Get get comfortable sure. with it, and then kind of see what you know. I don't like you said. You don't have to jump the creek with it, but I'm curious to see what some of that high speed off road get some terrain underneath it. Just see how that thing glides oh, uh, yeah. underneath it, and you can do it all on your own property over there. So that's that's pretty good. Perfect Goldberg <laughs> testing ground. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just stay away from the barn. You don't want to scare all the animals that are over there. Um, but, uh, well, that's fantastic. Congratulations on that. Um, we're looking forward to more experiences with that vehicle. I think, you know, I think a lot of people are interested in this truck or even, you know, a lot of people sort of build similar versions of things. People take Raptors and listen, every time I go over to uh, Galpin Autosports, been working on my truck, they have Raptors all over the place and everybody's modifying the Raptor because there there is room for improvement. And these guys, it's similar because you're talking about Mario at Gearhead Fabrication, knowing enough about the engines that he knows what works and what doesn't work, what breaks it in and what, you know, and you know, uh, the kind of power he can make with a certain modifications and, you know, what, you know, even on the engine, what works well, what doesn't work well, which, which parts he likes, what parts, you know, he, he doesn't favor as much. And when you go to a shop that does the stuff, uh, there's a lot to be learned there, which is interesting oh, because we can flip through all the magazines and go through all the websites and the forums and, uh, and, and kind of bench race, right? We can build our vehicles virtually. You know, we can say, oh, I really like this supercharger. Everything I'm reading is fantastic for this supercharger for whatever. But then you kind of find out that, um, you know, oh, yeah, you talk to the guys that installed five of those and they've run into an issue every time. Or well, you heard my excitement out. about the compound boost subject. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Remember? So that's an example of it right there. You know, I picked up the phone and called him and he had a differing opinion and everybody's got their opinions, but you know, it's, it's backed up by numbers. So, well, that's um, the thing is, is it's good to chat with somebody that has experience. So my recommendation would be, of course, as you're getting into and modifying your vehicles, um, you know, give, give a few shops a call, give a, talk to a few engine builders, talk to a few tuners, talk to a few people that do this stuff and, uh, and figure out like, you know, we, we were talking about Galpin Autosports and the Raptor, you know, they have certain, they've installed so many suspension component upgrades, they know what they like. So when you go Absolutely. in there and they say, what are you going to use the truck for? Because we've done five of them this way and 10 of them this way and six of them this way. And it kind of depends on, are you going for this or going for that or going for that? And then, you know, they end up finding things and going, oh, you know, we do swap out the front bumper because so many people that go off-roading um, tag that front bumper. So that we go to a version that has a little more clearance, right? So uh, you learn from experience. Yeah, you just kind of learn from experience. And um, I know those guys are over there. Uh, uh, they hit me up like once a week and they go, when are you going to get a TRX press car? We got to go out in the dirt. We just got to bring some of their trucks and bring the TRX. And I was like, I've, I haven't gone out with them and done this yet. So I'm like, I'm all in. So soon as soon as we get one, uh, uh, so Dodge and Ram, send us a, a send us that TRX um, because uh, Bill's too afraid to get his dirty for now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can tell you that ain't the case. <laughs> Filthy, Man, um, it's a truck, and that's the that's the good part about it. And my, you know, it's already been to the dump for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny. I've been moving stuff to the shop, and I get, I keep putting everything in the back of my uh, my truck. It's still a truck, you know. It's, a it's, truck. it's still a truck, and this is why I we don't did feel the, the bedliner and, and, and the whole know, thing. It's exp- it was an expensive truck, and, and but I really I don't feel guilty about it. You do in the beginning, but after driving it, the thing's worth it. I, I, I you know, it's my personal opinion. I, I'm very happy with. It. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to bring up was. Uh, we spoke we spoke a while ago more than a while ago years ago we spoke to our friend Lance Stander over at uh, Superformance and uh, and Hillbeg they uh they do all the cobra replicas the cobra you know whatever you want to call it um replica car tribute car whatever uh, they do those. They do the Shelby Daytona Coupes. They they have a handful of cars that they do, and they were the guys that that stepped up to do the Ford v Ferrari movie, and uh, they put together pretty much all of the cars, the GT forties, the, mm-hmm. the the Cobras and stuff for that for that movie as well. Um, I spoke to him a while ago, and SEMA lobbied for this. Excuse me, lobbied for this as well. Was a law that allows companies like theirs to offer turnkey replica cars. I don't want to say kit cars because there's no real assembly required. So if you go if you go down to to Superformance and you want a Cobra or something like that from them, 
technically they have to sell you the vehicle and then sell you the drivetrain separately, and it's kind of up to you to put it together. And then the other issue is how do you register it? There's only a handful of like hot rod registration, you know, no no factory VIN number. You know, you got to use some sort of serial number to get it registered. Um, and the joke has always been, uh, you know, Leno's, Leno's got a guy sitting at the DMV January 1st to, to get the first ones every year. And, and you know, for a good reason, it makes sense. Um, so SEMA was very active on getting some laws passed to allow these replica cars to be offered as a turnkey solution, which I would argue would be safer because now you're getting entitled, right? Entitled, yes. And yes. and now you're getting a a package that comes from a single company that has tested and has done it again and again and again, like we're talking about with gearheads doing a bunch of Hellcat engines and gas doing a bunch of vehicles or raptors or whatever. Like the guys that have been doing it again and again. And uh, uh so the Department of Transportation they approved this five years ago, and and these companies were very excited about being able to offer these turnkey replica cars. But the uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA, they've been dragging their feet on this thing for the last five years. But I am happy to say that just this past week, it finally got signed off on. So you can go and purchase turnkey replica cars. Now, there are some rules that apply here. Um, First of all, it it needs to be uh, a certain amount of years old. I think it has to be like 30, 25 years old or something like that. And it has to basically be like a historical thing, like a a Cobra or Daytona Coupe or GT40 or – or something like that. Um, it it can't be. It it's it's probably not going to be something you bought in the nineties. Look, it's not going to be. Uh, you know, even in my the world, uh, you know, a ninety three Fox body. It's over twenty five years old, but it's not going to. It's not going to be that right. It has to have like some historical relevance and 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 blah blah blah. So you can read into producing these heritage cars and. Each manufacturer is only is limited to making 325 of them a year. So if the thought was, hey, we're going to mass produce these things and crank them out and sell 1,500 or 2,000 or 5,000, um, that's not what this law was meant to be. This, no. is, this is meant to be an enthusiast thing. This is meant to be a collectible thing. This is meant to be something – again, we keep bringing up the – the, the Cobra because a company like Superformance really falls into that category. So uh, they have to make 300 – well, they don't have to make. They're limited to making 325 uh, turnkey versions of this. Now, they can still do sort of the two-piece version. You can buy the car. You can buy the drivetrain. You can do whatever. But mm-hmm. in an effort to make it easier and easier to to register – uh, finally, this this got approved. I can't believe it's been sitting around for five years now. Before, well, thank God, we, finally, we were, we were able to do it. It's funny because we talked to we talked to Lance at Superformance. He's like, "This is a, such a great idea. We'll be able to offer some turnkey vehicles and still do the custom packages." And he goes, "We should be up and running in no time." And here we are, yeah. 
five years. I checked in with him like I think it was a year or two ago. Um, he came out to um, I think it was our Shelby American documentary. We did a we did a premiere out here in Hollywood, and he was out there and he he did a lot of the cars for four V Ferrari as I was saying. I was like. What's going on with that law with the whole thing? And he was like, "Oh my God, don't even get me started on that. That thing's a mess, and it's still held up, and and we keep fighting it, and fighting it, and fighting it, and 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 trying to get it approved. And finally, it was approved, and and it is what it is. And I'm sure there's a lot more to this that that we don't understand. Um, yeah. I'm sure companies like Superformance have to meet all sorts of requirements and safety things and all kinds oh, yeah. of stuff to make this happen. Like, what guarantees can you have? What warranties do you have to offer? You know, things like that, that that all those details basically had to be worked out over the last few years. But anyway, cool to see that. And I don't know what the what the backlog is for a company like Superformance. I imagine there's already people waiting. Um, but uh, – you should be able to, I, I would assume, effectively now give them a call and go, "Hey, man, I want a slab side, you know, two eighty nine Cobra, or I want the big four twenty seven Cobra car. Here's a few options I want. This is the engine I want, and uh, what can you do?" And they'll say, "Great, give me, you know, give me a few months to to put it together, and you can come pick it up and grab the keys." It also gives them the opportunity to build a few of these cars on their own to spec, put them in their showroom, and just offer them for sale like a like a car dealer would. You go in, you like what you see, you write a check, you leave with the car, you know, which you wouldn't you you couldn't do, you know. And hopefully, as a dealer, they'll they'll be able to just sit down there and work out the payment or the financing and the registration and handle it for you like any new car dealer would. Uh, yeah, it'll so, change their their world exponentially. I would yeah, I, so, I think it's kind of um, cool. I think it's a nice step forward. Oh, here is one of the things that um, is one of the requirements. It needs to have a modern emissions legal drivetrain in it, which isn't that bad. We can do an E-Rod engine. You can do Coyote engines. You can do some things like that. But whatever the requirements they've figured out, I don't know if this prohibits you know doing a – you know, a Roush 427, you know, you know, engine or something like that. I would imagine if, if, if it has catalytic converters and it blows clean to a certain point and it has the carbon filters and, you know, and whatnot, it's probably fine. This isn't a fuel economy issue. It's just an emissions issue. Yeah. Right, so it doesn't matter if you're getting three miles of the gallon or thirty miles of the gallon. That that's not that's not what we're going for. This is just an emissions issue. If it's clean, that's fine. And because Superformance is a California-based company, uh, I think that was part of the issue. Is it needs to be fifty state legal, not forty-nine state legal? Yeah. is what I imagine. So anyway, that's kind of cool to see that going on. Um, kind of a nice. Uh, Nice step um, happening there in the uh, in the replica world. Let's call it the replica. Yeah, I'm world. sure they're all very appreciative of it passing finally. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to bring up real quick is we've been po- talked quite a bit about the Porsche Taycan um, for a while. They came out with their Turbo S and then their Turbo, and then they had the 4S. And they're starting to introduce more models. But now we've got the the Porsche Taycan, just a base Taycan. And 
Uh, I want to talk to Alistair at some point about this because he's been driving one and testing one recently. But the base model Taycan is rear-wheel drive, not all-wheel drive, which significantly reduces the weight along with the expense. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are two versions of of the batteries, and there's two performance levels of the base Taycan. Um, But you're talking at uh, like a a base price of about $79,000. Right, and I think with whatever destination delivery, you're at like eighty one two fifty. So eighty one thousand now gets you in the door of a pretty nicely equipped base model Taycan rear wheel drive uh, EV. Now keep in mind the Taycan 4S, which is the next level up, that starts at one hundred and five thousand. So here's you know we've got a twenty five thousand dollar difference between the base model and stuff. I think that's going to be a game changer for Porsche. Honestly, I don't know how well these vehicles have been selling, and and I don't know. It's just I I'd be curious to dig into this more. Is it? Is it just the Porsche enthusiasts are not adapting to this EV as much as Porsche thought, or is the price a little prohibitive, right? Because the bigger versions of this car are very expensive, you know? Oh, yes. You know, up until, you know, today or yesterday, $105,000 base price for the Taycan 4S. That's pretty substantial. It's pretty substantial. But now if you can get into one in the low 80s, I get it. Porsche is very a la carte with a lot of their options. So, you know, maybe you're you're at 90,000. Um, but that's a huge difference considering the yeah. 4S based at 105. Any way you slice it, you're going to be, uh, you know, $20,000 less money than that. You know, and if you're leasing or doing something like that, that makes a huge difference. So I don't know. I'd be kind of uh, curious to see how much – how much fun the rear wheel drive version is. I know the all wheel drive, especially the big, the big boy, the turbo S is incredibly fast. Uh, and, and not that this is slow by any means, but I'm, I'm curious to know if, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of expect Alistair to come in and go, this one's good. It's, it's lighter. It's more nimble. It's rear wheel drive. It starts to feel a little bit more like a sports car. It's got a, it's got a much more aggressive price to get in. And, and if, if everything else is basically there, then I don't know. Why not? It seems, it seems, it seems kind of interesting, right? It seems like it could be a, a moneymaker for, for Porsche, but Curious to see the number of those that that have sold so far. Yeah, I just I just had a few people send me on um, on uh, on social media going, "Hey, I was just driving by my local dealer, and there's ten of these cars out front." You know, and that kind of implies there's not a lot of like orders, and you're waiting, and and like they've got them on the lot. You want one, you can walk up and get one. If it would have been closer to the uh, to the concept aesthetically, those ten wouldn't still be on the lot. Okay, yeah, I, I it's interesting because we did this um, drive event. I think I went out with uh, Rusnak Audi, and and uh, we did kind of a canyon cruise, sort of a virtual, not like a cars and coffee event because of COVID. So we did it. Everybody was just in cars and just kind of did a little canyon run it was kind of fun and uh like one or two of these uh Taycans showed up um and i'm just not down with that wheel the wheel that they have you know, somebody showed up in the white one that kind of looks like the press you know car and it's got the 
the white rim around, you know, around the barrel with the black spokes. And I was like, it just looks too Tron. It's a little too futuristic. Yeah. And it's a weird looking. Dude. And although I do like white cars, um, this, it just looked too, it just looked like an, you know, an iPhone or an iPad to me. Like it was just yeah. a little too much. Um, but now you're starting to see pictures of like, you know, I saw a, a gorgeous, you know, blue metallic, a dark blue metallic with the black wheels. And, and um, you know, I've seen a few of like, uh, you know, guys at HRE do some of the wheels on theirs. And I saw a bright silver on on uh, like a metallic red. I was like, yeah, now it's starting to look good. I mean, I get they were kind of pushing this EV future, you know, sort of Tron thing going on. But once you start to see it as a real car... It's it's not bad. I just I just feel like there's a little too much. You know, we talked so much about the Nissan Z Proto, how that um th- that yellow color that they launched the prototype in. You know, the car is cool in, in person, but when you see it, it's like maybe it wasn't the best launch color. And then everybody came out with a rendering of like, here's red, here's white, here's blue, here's black, and all Huge the renderings look fantastic. And I was like, I kind of feel like the all white Taycan maybe wasn't wasn't the best idea. But anyway, uh uh, it is interesting to see what that, uh, you know, what the the, the base Taycan is in the in the you know in the eighty thousand dollar range and see how it performs as a rear wheel drive vehicle, um, and uh, you know still good range, still good performance. You can get the upgraded battery and stuff as well. But um, anyway, I know you've got uh, you've got some stuff to do. Um, we're gonna wrap yeah, things man. up. And uh, what do we got? We got uh, ten days, eleven days. Royal Rumble. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, something <laughs> yeah. like that. I'm trying not to put a number on it. Are you, yes, are you, are you I, feeling good? You feeling big? Are you strong? Oh yeah. Look <laughs> at me. I'm just huge. Are you feeling? Are you feeling jacked? <laughs> I gained 45 pounds in 10 days. Yeah. You know. Did you really? No. Uh, no. <laughs> that would be amazing. It's just not physically possible. That would be unhealthy. Anymore, I'd be concerned. It's just not physically possible to gain so much weight anymore. You know. But it is what it is. I'm. I'm on route, man. I got 10 days, 11 days out, but it's all good. It's all good. That's good. I'll in the meantime, uh, you get to, to drive the TRX in no time. In the meantime, you get to eat all the tomahawks and sushi that you want. You bet your ass I'm on my way to the sushi bar right now. <laughs> right on. All you right. You guys be good. I appreciate it greatly, man. Thanks. Uh, have fun today. We'll see you next week. Until next time, uh, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. Rock on. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.